You're listening to Imago Day, the podcast of philosophical and theological reflections for today's world. My name is Lewis, and in today's episode, Joe and I talk about death and its relationship to Western society. Now, death is not something the average person wants to think about, let alone discuss. But you don't want to miss this conversation. Today, we take a look at the changing perception about death that is happening in our world the means by which this change occurs, and the effect that has on the way we live. So thank you for joining us. That conversation begins now. Today we're talking about the disappearance of death in Western society. Mm. Joe, you shared an incredible article by Father John Baer, Mm -hmm. um, which will be in the show notes, um, entitled Dying to Live or How to Become a Human Being. And there is one part in the article that I want to focus our conversation on in which uh, John talks about briefly this, this issue of a, quote, disappearance of death from Western culture over the last century, um, which is something I never really thought about until this article. And so my first question for you is, do you think that there has been a lack of exposure to death? in Western society? And what exactly does that mean? What does that look like? When I hear that question, I, I, I reflect immediately um, back to where I grew up. I grew up mm-hmm. in a pretty rough neighborhood, um, mm-hmm. CI, Coney Island, Brooklyn, in the 80s. And I was um, privy to, I was exposed to different kinds of death. Um, uh, suffering. So I'm expanding the, the term death here um, and, 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 and including within that uh, all kinds of dying, whether it was the AIDS virus, uh, homelessness on the corner, mm-hmm. um, even the many uh, appearances of death through cats and dogs, just the stray animals in the 80s wow. in New York City. And then, of course, hearing about neighbors who passed away and then going to wakes um, and how that was a frequent thing. Uh, mm-hmm. given the, 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 the times over there. But, but at the same time, um, I think death has begun to really vanish. Um, and I think it's ironic because we, we see death, quote unquote, through TV and the media. Mm-hmm. But I, I would argue, and, and I think John Baer is saying this, and others have said this, that our culture is set up such that we are sheltered from death. Mm-hmm. Um, we hear of people dying, but we do not see death. And when we behold death in the form of a corpse, let's say, typically the corpse is dressed up with a suit. Uh, it's, it's been embalmed mm-hmm. uh, for the sake of a viewing. And mm-hmm. that's a short amount of time. And then boom. So I think in one sense, um, our culture affords us the sheltering experience um, mm-hmm. by having a sort of youthfulness um, paradigm that we're infected with, you know, just keep young, don't, don't worry about death. And, and even conversations about death are, mm-hmm. we, even though we all know we're going to die, it's mm-hmm. just not really present. Wouldn't you say that being exposed to death, especially in, in the ways that you were in the 80s, like, to me, that almost sounds traumatic. Like, yeah. wouldn't can't can someone argue that you know what? Like, not being exposed to death at all might actually be a good thing. 
I would say in the end, in the final analysis, it's not a, not a good thing because to not be exposed to death is is really to be sheltered from reality rather than being properly exposed to reality's non-reality, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. death is non-reality, the, the non-reality invading into reality as it is. And it, so it, wow. it creates an illusion uh, and encouraging a sort of Peter Pan syndrome. Mm. <laughs> forever youthfulness uh superman is that right? is that actually a term because that's a really i've heard of it before i don't know if it's in the dsm-5 okay. or <laughs> actually a mental handbook you know the yeah. handbook but what, do you, of, what do you mean by peter pan syndrome that sounds yeah it's it just just you know going back to the great story of peter pan uh, about the forever young and never neverland or ever mm. everland or whatever it's called yeah. <laughs> just the I idea wanna, of yeah i don't want to grow up yeah it's just the idea of perpetual youthfulness and so I think um, the exposure of death, exposure to death, helps us to see, wait a minute, life is more than just um, fun and games, as it were. And yeah. life is far more nuanced and profound than, than what I was previously exposed to. Like, I see yeah. now that life has a definitive end. So with this lack of exposure to death, how is that actually being suppressed mm. in today's world? I think one of the tools that, that, that is doing this, this kind of uh, sheltering, mm. um, ironically, is media, uh, driven by, again, this uh, youth culture. It's a superficial exposure to death without its sting, mm-hmm. without its reality. So I watch, let's say, violent movies. People are getting shot and stabbed mm. and they die. But all the while, in the back of my mind, I know that this is not reality. So I am perceiving the superficial appearance of death without the sting of death. Mm. Death, I think, is hidden via or through the processes of both of the social apparatus of media and even mm. within the medical world, the medical context. Mm-hmm. We carton people off. We, we, we section people off who are dying. We, mm-hmm. we send them to hospices and, and not to get down on hospices. I think they are an amazing institution. I call to mind here the philosopher Plato, who says in one of his works that philosophy is actually none other than the preparation for death. Wow. Part of what he means when he says this is that death, I mean, he's, he's bringing in a, a slew of metaphysical presuppositions and assumptions here, but, there, but there's something about death, the very presence of death, that teaches us insights and wisdoms about life, again, ironically. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, there was a study done a few years back uh, from those who work with hospice uh, patients uh, within the, the med- uh, medical practitioners. And they've listed a number of things that they've witnessed from people who are slowly dying and that they know that they're dying. And one mm-hmm. of them is a profound sense of regret that they've spent so much of their life working um, hard, uh, for, but but not spending enough time with the people that they actually cared for, that they mm-hmm. loved, and then wow. no one ever says uh, at the at the door of death, "Oh man, I'm just upset that I wasn't able to obtain that car or mm-hmm. buy that home." But again, again, just using this word, ironic. It is ironic that most of us spend our lives uh, pursuing those things, where in the end, it seems like they mean virtually nothing. They're superfluous. Mm-hmm. So here we are trying to make a name for ourselves. Here we are, as John Bear says in his article, uh, attempting to grasp at life, attempting mm-hmm. to secure our life. But, but, in re- but in reality, we are 
fading away into nothingness all the more because we're actually not living life. And so there's something about the logic of death that teaches us about life and a life well lived. Mm. And because death is ever pervasive and absolutely scary in many ways, by definition, because of its nihilistic reality, Mm -hmm. um, technology can afford us all kinds of avenues of escape from the presence of death. Mm -hmm. So I can very basically drown myself in Netflix. (laughs) Um, I could just simply entertain myself Mm -hmm. um, to kind of get my mind off of things. And that's not necessarily a bad thing in and of itself. But Mm -hmm. the question is, how is it being used? Is it being used as a form of escape and escapism Mm -hmm. so that I never have to deal with the reality, the Mm -hmm. all pervasive reality of death? To counter that argument, Mm -hmm. um, what if I were to say, well, you know what, like, we're just looking at the bad side of technology. What about the good side of technology? All the advancements in the medical field, the ventilators, the life support systems that prolong life, like, doesn't that doesn't that mean that the t- relationship between technology and death and, and, and us is, is, can also be a positive thing? Like, it's not just a bad thing. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with you um, uh, 100% actually that um, technology, listen, I, I'm not going to say that technology is ontologically evil, right? It's not mm-hmm. that technology, right? Technology is, for the most part, I would, I would argue neutral it's how it's used right Mm -hmm. um however technology has an inherent logic it has an inherent ethos to it Mm -hmm. so that if we do not have the moral and intellectual fiber to use technology in a way proper towards its end in light of the flourishment of of the flourishing of humanity Mm -hmm. then we will be used by technology which usually is what happens right we wow. like i'm going to use what this do you technology mean by using us yeah there's this weird animating principle within the inherent ethos of technology mm-hmm. um so i'm sitting here right now in comfort of my apartment i'm looking at the microwave and i'm looking at the stove these are two pieces of technology that affords us a lot and mm-hmm. it's wonderful and i love it mm-hmm. listen i can't i can't imagine bro without a stove what am i going to do you know, <laughs> I, need, I need a stove. I need you a stove. You can't make rice. You can't I make can't, beans. Bro, I need, you, you know what I'm saying? I just got <laughs> you know, I just got to, you know, the microwave is wonderful. What happens now, let's say, let, let's just look at just a microwave. What happens now is through the microwave, I can now get TV dinners. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, is that bad? Well, it depends on your nutritional philosophy and whatnot. But I can, through the microwave, I am now a degree removed more further back from the act of making food, from a hands-on appropriation of the process of cooking. Of course, I'm speaking here metaphorically. The microwave is using me for its existence. In this illustration, like, what does the microwave get out of that? What? I mean, the micro the microwave gets its existence. The microwave mm-hmm. gets its shine. Like a reason, mi- a reason for you to buy the product. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and of course, there's so much more here. And I, you know, I think we could kind of 
go go wild with this. But mm-hmm. but with regards to the ventilating machines and intubation and other things like that, um, of course, you know, technology is good and it's bad. It all depends on how it's being used. But for for Jeffrey in his book, The Anticipatory Corpse, and again, this goes back to his thesis about a flattened metaphysics, medical technology, biomedical technology, a lot of the times is used arbitrarily, though we may not think it's being used arbitrarily. It's used arbitrarily to keep the body animated so that the technology becomes an extension of the human body of the human person. And so then we get to a point where we perceive the organs of a person interchangeable or modifiable Mm -hmm. through the technology. Mm -hmm. So, so the integrity of the human person and the human body is now porous and bleeds and is open to alien technologies towards its person for the sake of efficiency so the body can remain animated as such. Mm -hmm. But the question for Jeffrey is, well, if we're doing that, are we losing something essential to our humanity? He goes, he goes rather deep into that. And in fact, it's only in, I think, chapter 10 of his book, Mm -hmm. does he begin to offer his own response after about nine chapters of critique. And again, he does this not as an armchair philosopher, but also as a practicing physician. Um, but you know, I would agree with you technology in one sense, it's neutral, Mm -hmm. but if we do not have the, the character formation necessary to handle technology, Mm -hmm. I think technology then ends up handling us. Mm -hmm. Is it, is it that lack of that lack of handling? Is it that, that creates the disappearance of death or is it just the technology itself? Perhaps, perhaps I think, um, I think I have to use the bathroom. <laughs> can we can we pause? <laughs> I'm just gonna go take a leak. I hope you get. Yeah. <laughs> Give me one minute, bro. Oh. <laughs> we spoke about the innovations of technology and we spoke about the dark side of technology and the relationship of those two things on our perception of death. Um, What are some questions that we should be asking ourselves if this is indeed uh, a reality? Yeah. I think one of the questions we need to ask ourselves is if it is the case that we are becoming more sheltered and, um, invisible to death's gaze what do we lose in life because of that essentially how is our life subtracted from the absence of death Mm. are we losing something essential to life's meaning purpose fullness in the absence of death's all pervasive but somehow invisible presence Mm -hmm. in our current western culture um i think another question we need to ask ourselves or one should ask when i am living a life away from the pervasive gaze of death somehow sheltering myself from the proleptic appearance of death 
right? The future appearance of death in the present, but somehow I'm always doing what I can to avoid that. Mm-hmm. What is the quality of my life now? Is my mm-hmm. life now um, one of uh, joy, peace, contentment, mm-hmm. happiness, meaningfulness? Are, 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 are the qualities of life, are those qualities of life possible without the presence of death? Mm-hmm. And I think we would have to say two things, um, or at least I, will, I, I could say two things both yes and no. Yes, it seems like my life is all the more joyous and content without the presence of death. Um, and I feel lighter without the pervasive gaze of death uh, lurking around the corner. But I, when I, uh, on further reflection, I realized that the lighter feeling that I'm having uh, is really superficial. There's something there's a dreamlike quality to it. Um, it's a fantasy. Death showing up has a grounding effect. Thank you for listening. Next week, Joe and I continue our conversation, but we'll take a look at how Christ used death to transform life. What does the cross say about death? how should the Christian view death in spite of that? You don't want to miss that talk, so stay tuned. You can also submit your questions and feedback to imagodaypodcast at gmail.com. Thank you, and see you next week.